everybody and welcome back to another episode of Reading Harry Potter with an 11 year old. Today we will be reading Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, chapter 16 through the trap door. Oh my god, okay? I felt like I've just started this podcast and I've actually come so far. Um, my listeners are bouncing up and down, but, um, but my estimated right now is about 76. So, thank you so much for that. And, apparently, my podcast episodes combined together, they've been played over 8,000 times. That That is a lot. I don't know why. I, I just feel like that is an, is an amazing amount. And, um, I just want to say thank you for helping me get this far. Um, because I'm not sure how many podcasts are pop... How many, uh, how popular podcasts are, but in my opinion, I've gotten extremely far, and I only have you guys to thank for it. So, thank you so much for getting me this far, and so, let's get started. Let's start. Chapter 16, Through the Trap Door. In years to come, Harry would never quite remember how he had managed to get through his exams when he half expected Voldemort to come bursting through the door at any moment. Yet, the days crept by and there could be no doubt Fluffy that Fluffy was still alive and well behind the locked door. It was swelteringly hot, especially in the large classroom where they had been given their written papers. They had been given special new quills for the exams, which had been bewitched with an anti-cheating spell. They had practical exams as well. Professor Flitwick called them one by one into his class to see if they could make a pineapple tap dance across a desk. Professor McGonagall watched them um, turn a mouse into a snuff box. Points were given for how pretty the snuff was, the snuff box was, but taken away if it had whiskers. Snape made them all nervous, breathing down their necks, while they tried to remember how to make a forgetfulness potion. Harry did the best he could, trying to ignore the stabbing pains in his forehead, which had been bothering him ever since his trip into the forest. Neville thought that Harry had, the, had a bad case of exam nerves, because Harry couldn't sleep. But the truth was that Harry kept being awoken by his old nightmare, except that it was now worse than ever because there was a hooded blugger, a hooded figure dripping blood in it. Jeez, how'd I say that? Um, maybe it... <sighs> except that now it was worse than ever because there was a hooded figure dripping blood in it. Maybe it was because they hadn't, they hadn't seen what Harry had seen in the forest or because they didn't have scars burning on their foreheads but Ron and Hermione didn't seem as worried about the stone as Harry. The idea of Voldemort certainly scared them, but he didn't keep visiting them in their dreams, and they were so busy with their revision that they didn't have much time to fret about what Snape or anyone else might be up to. Their very last wizarding, their very last exam was history of magic. One hour of answering questions about batty old wizards who had invented self-stirring cauldrons and they'd be free, free, um, free. 
for a whole wonderful week until their exam results came out. When the ghost of Professor Binns told them to put down their quills and rolls up their parchment, um, Harry couldn't help cheering with the rest. That was far easier than I thought it would be, said Hermione as they joined the crowds flocking out into the sunny grounds. I needn't have learned about the 1916 Werewolf Code of Conduct or the uprising of Elfric the Eager. Hermione always liked to go through their exam papers afterwards, but Ron said this made him feel, feel, feel ill. So they wandered to the lake and flopped under a tree. The Weasley twins and Lee Jordan were tickling the tentacle of a giant squid, which was basking in the warm shallows. No more revision, Ron sighed happily, stretching out in the grass. You could look cheerful, Harry. We've got a week before we find out how badly we've done, so there's no need to worry. Harry was rubbing his forehead. I wish I knew what this means, he burst out angrily. My scar keeps hurting. It's happened before, but never as often as this. Go to Madame Pomfrey, Hermione suggested. I'm not ill, said Harry. I think it's a warning. It means danger's coming. Ron couldn't get worked up. It was too hot. Harry, relax. Hermione's right. This The stone's safe as long as Dumbledore's around. And anyway, we've never had any proof that Snape found out how to get past Fluffy. He nearly had his leg ripped off once, so he's not going to try it again in a hurry. And never will play Quidditch for Eng- And never will play English. And never will play Quidditch for England before Hagrid lets Dumbledore down. Harry nodded, but he couldn't shake off a lurking feeling that there was something he'd forgotten to do, something important. When he tried to explain this, Hermione said, "That's just the exams." I woke up last night and I was halfway through my transfiguration notes before I remembered we'd done that one. Harry was quite sure that the unsettled feeling didn't have anything to do with the work, though. He watched an owl flutter towards the school with a bright blue sk- through across the bright blue sky, a note clamped in its mouth. Hagrid was the only one who sent him letters. Hagrid would never betray Dumbledore. Um, Hagrid would... Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Hagrid would never betray Dumbledore. Hagrid would never tell anyone how to get past Fluffy. Never. But Harry suddenly jumped to his feet. Where are you going? said Ron sleepily. I just thought of something, said Harry. He'd gone white. We've got to go see Hagrid now. Why? panted Hermione, hurrying to keep up. Don't you think it's a bit odd, said Harry, scrambling up the grassy slope, that what drag- that what Hagrid wants more than anything else is a dragon, and a stranger turns up um and a stranger turns up who just happens to have an egg in his pocket? How many people wander around with a dragon egg if it's against wizard law? Lucky they see they lucky they found Hagrid, don't you think? Why didn't they think of it before? What are you on about? said Ron. Um, but Harry, sprinting across the grounds towards the forest, didn't answer. Hagrid was sitting in an armchair outside his house. His trousers and sleeves were rolled up, and he was shelling peas into a bowl. Hello, he said, smiling. Finish your exams? Got time for a drink? Yes, please, said Ron, but Harry cut across him. 
No, we're in a hurry, Hagrid. I've got to ask you something. Do you know that night you won Norbit? What did this stranger look like you were playing cards with? Dana, said Hagrid casually. He wouldn't take off his cloak. And and the, he saw the three of them look stunned and raised his eyebrows. That's not unusual. You get a lot of funny folk in the hog's head. That's one of the pubs down the village. Might have been a dragon dealer, mightn't he? I never saw his face. He kept his hood up. Harry sank down to next to the bowl of peas. What did you talk about him, Hagrid? Did you mention Hogwarts at all? Might have come up, said Hagrid, frowning as he tried to remember. Yeah. He asked what I did, and I told him I was a gamekeeper here. He asked a bit about the sort of creatures that I look after. So I told him. And I said I always really wanted a dragon. And then... Uh, I can't remember too well, because he kept buying me drinks. Let's see. Yeah. Then he said he had the dragon egg, and we could play cards for it if I wanted. But he had to be sure that I could handle it. He didn't want it to go to any old home. So I told him, after Fluffy, a dragon would be easy. And did he seem interested in Fluffy, said Harry. Harry asked, trying to keep his voice calm. Well, yeah. How many three-headed dogs do you meet, even around Hogwarts? So, I told him, Fluffy's a piece of cake, if you know how to calm him down. Just play him a bit of music and he'll go straight off to sleep. Hagrid suddenly looked horrified. I shouldn't have told you that, he blurted out. I said, forget it. Hey, where are you going? Harry, Ron, and Hermione didn't speak to each other at all until they came to a halt in the entrance hall, which seemed cold and gloomy after the grounds. We've got to go to Dumbledore, said Harry. Hagrid told that stranger how to get past Fluffy, and was either the Snape or Voldemort under that cloak. It must have been easy once he got Hagrid drunk. I just hope Dumbledore believes us. Fire ends might back us up if, um, if Bane doesn't stop him. Where's Dumbledore's office? They looked around as if hoping to see a, a sign pointing them in the right direction. They had never been told where Dumbledore lived, nor did they know anyone who had been sent to see him. We'll just have to... Harry began, but a voice suddenly rang across the hall. What are you three doing inside? It was Professor McGonagall carrying a large pile of books. We want to see Professor Dumbledore, said Hermione, rather bravely, and Ron, Harry and Ron thought. Professor Dumbledore, Professor McGonagall repeated, as though this was a very fishy thing to do. Why? Harry swallowed. Now what? It, it's a sort of secret, he said. But he wished um, at once he hadn't, because Professor McGonagall's nostrils flared. Professor Dumbledore left ten minutes ago, she said coldly. He received an urgent owl from the Ministry of Magic and flew off for London at once. He's gone, said Harry frantically. Now? Professor Dumbledore is a very great wizard, Potter. He has many demands on his time, but this is important. Something you have to say is more important than the Ministry of Magic, Potter. Look, said Harry, throwing caution to the winds. Professor, it's about the Philosopher's Stone. Whatever Professor McGonagall had expected, it wasn't that. 
The books she was carrying tumbled out of her arms, but she didn't pick them up. How do you know? She spluttered. Professor, I think I know that sne that someone's going to try and steal the stone. I've got to talk to Professor Dumbledore. She eyed him with a, with a mixture of shock and suspicion. Professor Dumbledore will be back tomorrow, she said finally. I don't know how you found out about the stone, but rest assured, nobody can possibly steal it. It's, it's too well protected. But Professor Potter, I know what I am talking about, she said shortly. She bent down and gathered up the fallen books. I suggest you all go back outside and enjoy the sunshine. But they didn't. It's tonight, said Harry. Once he made sure that Professor McGonagall was out of earshot. Snape's going through the trapdoor tonight. Tonight, He's found out everything he needs and he's got Dumbledore out of the way. He sent that note. But I bet when the Ministry of Magic will... I bet the Ministry of Magic will get a real shock when Dumbledore turns up. But what can we... Hermione gasped. Harry and Ron wheeled around. Snape was standing there. Good afternoon, he said smoothly. They stared at him. You shouldn't be inside on a day like this, he said with an odd, twisted smile. We were, Harry began, without any idea what he was going to say. You want to be more careful, said Snape. Hanging around like this, people will think you're up to something. And Gryffindor can't really afford to lose any more points, can they? Harry flushed. They turned to go back outside, but Snape called them back. Be warned, Potter. Any more nighttime wanderings, and I will personally make sure you are expelled. Good day to you. He strode off in the direction of the staff room. Out on the stone steps, Harry turned to the others. Right, here's what we've got to do, he whispered urgently. One of us has got to keep an eye on Snape. Wait outside the staff room and follow him if he leaves it. Hermione, you'd better do that. Why me? It's obvious, said Ron. You can pretend to be waiting for Professor Flitwick. Um, you know, he put in a high voice. Oh, Professor Flitwick, I'm so worried, but I think I got question 14B wrong. Oh, shut up, said Hermione. But she agreed to go and watch out for Snape. And we'd better stay on outside on the third floor corridor, Harry told Ron. Come on. But that plan, part of the plan didn't work. No sooner they had reached up at the door, separating separating Fluffy from the rest of the school, than Professor McGonagall turned up again, and this time she lost her temper. I suppose you think um, I suppose I suppose you think you're harder to get past than a pack of enchantments. She stormed. Enough of this nonsense. If I hear you've come anywhere near this again, I'll take another fifty points from Gryffindor. Yes, Weasley, from my own. House. Harry and Ron ran back to the common room. Harry had just said, at least Hermione's on Snape's tail, when the portrait of the fat lady swung open and Hermione came in. I'm so sorry, Harry, she wailed. Snape came out and asked what I was doing, and I told him I was waiting for Flitwick, and Snape went to get him, and I've only just gone away. I don't know where Snape went. Well, that's it, isn't it? said ha Harry said. 
The other two stared at him. They stared at him. He was pale, and his eyes were glittering. I'm going to get out of here tonight, and I'm going to try and take the stone first. You're mad, said Ron. You can't, said Hermione. After what McGonagall and Snape said, you'll be expelled. So what, said Harry. So what, Harry shouted. Don't you understand? If Snape gets a hold of the stone, Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it was like when he was trying to take over? There won't be any Hogwarts to get expelled from. He'll flatten it or turn it into the school for a dark arts. Losing points doesn't matter anymore. Can't you see? Do you think he'll leave you alone if, and, your, and your family's alone? If Gryffindor win the house cup? If I get caught before I can get to the stone, I'll have to wait and to go back for the, to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to find me there later. It's only it's only dying a bit later than I would have done because I am never going over to the dark side and I'm going through the trapdoor tonight and there is nothing you two will say that's going to stop me. Voldemort's killed my parents, remember? He glared at them. You're right, Harry, said Hermione in a small voice. I'll use the invisibility cloak, said Harry. It's just lucky I got it back. But will it cover all three of us, said Ron? All, all three of us? Oh, come off it. You don't think we'd let you go alone? Of course not, said Hermione briskly. How do you think you'd get this to the stone without us? I'd better go through my books. There might be something useful. But if we get caught, you two will be expelled too. Not if I can help it, Hermione said briskly. Um, Hermione said grimly. Professor Flitwick told me in secret, that I got 112% on his exam. They're not throwing me out after that. After dinner, the three of them sat nervously apart in the common room. Nobody bothered them. None of the Gryffindors um, had said anything to Harry anymore. After all, it was the first night that he hadn't been upset by it. Hermione was skimming through all her notes, hoping to come across one of the enchantments that they were about to try and break. Harry and Ron didn't talk much. Both of them were thinking about what they were about to do. Slowly, the room emptied as people drifted off to bed. You better get the cloak, Ron muttered, and as Lee Jordan finally left, stretching and yawning. Harry ran upstairs to the dark dormitory. Dormitory. He pulled out the cloak, and his eyes fell on the flute Hagrid had given for him on Christmas. He pocketed it to use it on Fluffy. He didn't feel much like singing. He ran back down into the common room. We'd better put the cloak on here, and make sure it covers all three of us. As Filch spots one of our feet wandering along on its own, or running, wandering along on its own, what are you doing? said a voice from the corner of the room. Neville appeared in an armchair, clutching Trent for the toad, as though he'd been making another bid for freedom. Nothing, Neville, nothing, said Harry, hardly putting the cloak behind his back. Neville stared at their guilty faces. You're going out again, he said. No, 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 said Hermione. We're not. Why don't you go to bed, Neville? Harry looked at the grandfather clock by the door. They couldn't afford to waste any more time.
um, Snape might be playing Fluffy to sleep, even now. You can't go out, said Neville. You'll be caught again. Gryffindor will be even in will be in even more trouble. But you don't understand, said Harry. This is important. But Neville was clear, clearly still stealing himself to do something desperate. I won't let you do it, he said, hurrying to stand in front of the portrait hole. I'll, I'll fight you. Neville, Ron exploded. Get away from that hole and don't be an idiot. Don't you call me an idiot, said Neville. I don't think you should be breaking any more rules. And you were the one who told me to stand up to people. Yes, but not us, said Ron in exasperation. Neville, you don't know what you're doing. He took a step forward and Neville dropped Trevor the Toad who leapt out of sight. Go on then, try and hit me said Neville, raising his fists. I'm ready. Do Harry turned to Hermione. Do something, he said desperately. Hermione stepped forward. Neville, she said, I'm really, really sorry about this. She raised her wand. Petrificus Totalis, she cried, pointing it at Neville. Neville's arms snapped to his sides. His legs sprang together, his whole body rigid. He swayed where he stood and then fell flat on his stiff and on his face, as stiff as a board. Hermione ran to turn um to turn him over. Neville's jaws were jammed together so he couldn't speak. Only his eyes were moving, looking at them in horror. What have you done to him? Harry whispered. It's the full body bind, said Hermione miserably. Oh Neville, I'm so sorry. We had to Neville. No time to explain, said Harry. You'll um you'll understand later, Neville, said Ron, as they stepped over him and pulled out on the invisibility cloak. But leaving Neville motionless on the floor didn't feel like a very good omen. In their nervous state, every statue's shadow looked like filch. Um every distant breath um of wind looks like um looked like no no. So every distant breath of wind sounded like peeves swooping down the stairs. Um, at the foot of the first set of stairs, they spotted Mrs. Norris skulking near the top. Let's kick her just this once, Ron whispered in Harry's ear, but Harry shook his head. As they climbed carefully around her, Mrs. Norris turned her lamp like her her lamp-like eyes on them, but didn't do anything. They didn't meet anyone else until up onto the third door, until the third... Sorry. They didn't meet anyone else until they reached the third, up on the, first, on the third floor. Pease was bobbing halfway up, loosening the carpet so that people would trip. Would trip. Who's there? He said. Suddenly, as they climbed towards him, he narrowed his wicked black eyes. I know you're there, even if I can't see you. Are you a ghoulie or ghosty or wee student beastie? He rose a finger in the up in the air and floated there, squinting at them. I should call Filch. I should, if something's a creeping around unseen. Harry had a sudden idea. Peeves, 
he said in a hoarse whisper. The bloody baron has his own reasons for being invisible. Peeves almost fell out of the air in shock. He caught himself in time and hovered a foot above the stairs. I'm so sorry, your bloodiness, Mr. Baron, sir, he said greasily. My mistake, my mistake. I, I didn't see you. Of course I, I didn't. You're invisible. Forgive old Peevesy, sir. His little joke, sir. I have business here, Peeves, croaked Harry. Stay away from this place tonight. I will, sir. I, I, I most certainly will, said Peeves, rising up in the air again. Hope your business goes well, Baron. Sorry, um, I'll not bother you. And he scooted off. Brilliant, Harry, whispered Ron. A few seconds later, they were there, outside the third floor corridor, and the door was already ajar. Well, there you are, Harry said quietly. Snape's already got past Fluffy. Seeing the open door somehow, um, somehow seemed to impress upon all three of them what was facing them. Underneath the cloak, Harry turned to the other two. If you want to go back, I won't blame you at all, he said. You can take the cloak. I won't need it now. Don't be stupid, said Hermione. No, no, don't be stupid, said Ron. We're coming, said Hermione. Harry pushed the door open. As the door creaked um, low, rumbling growls met their ears. All three of the dogs' noses sniffed madly in their direction, even though it couldn't see them. What's that at its feet? Hermione whispered. Looks like a harp, said Ron. Snape must have left it there. It must wake up the moment you stop playing. Well, here goes. He put Hagrid's flute to his lips and blew. It wasn't really a tune, but from the first note, the beast's eyes slowly began to droop. Harry hardly drew breath. Slowly, the dog's um, growls ceased. It tottered on its paws and fell to its knees. Then it slumped to the ground, fast asleep. Keep playing, warned Harry. Um, Harry one warned Harry. As they slipped out of the cloak and crept towards the trap door, they could feel the dog's hot, smelly breaths as they approached the giant heads. I think we'll be able to pull over the door. Um, pull the door open," said Ron, peering over the dog's back. "Want to go first, Hermione?" "No, I don't." "All right." Ron gritted his teeth and stepped carefully over the dog's legs. He bent and pulled the ring of the trap door, which swung up and open. "What can you see?" Hermione said anxiously. "Nothing. Just black. There's no way of climbing down." We'll just have to drop. Harry, who was still playing the flute, waved at Ron to get his attention and pointed at himself. You want to go first? Are you sure? said Ron. I don't know how deep this thing goes. Give the flute to Hermione so she can keep him asleep. Harry handed the flute over. In a few seconds' silence, the dog growled and twitched. But in the moment Hermione began to play, it fell back into its deep sleep. Harry climbed over it and looked down through the bottom. <laughs> looked down through the trap door. There was no sign of the bottom. He lowered himself through the hole until he was hanging by his on by his fingertips. 
Then he looked up and Rodan said, If anything happens to me, don't follow. Go to the Owlery and send um, Hedwig to Dumbledore, right? Right, said Ron. I'll see you in a minute, I hope. And Harry let go. Damp, cold, damp air rushed past him as he fell down, 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 and flop. With a funny, muffled sort of thump, he found, um, he landed on something soft. He sat up, he sat up and felt around. His eyes were not used to the gloom. It felt as though he was sitting on some sort of plant. It's okay, he called up to the light of the size of a, he called up to the light, the size of a postage stamp, which was the open trap door. It's a soft landing. You can jump. Ron followed straight away. He landed and sprawled next to Harry. What's this stuff? were his first words. Don't know, sort of plant thing. I suppose it's here to break the fall. Come on, Hermione. Come on, Hermione! The distant music stopped. There was a loud bark from the dog, but Hermione had already jumped. She landed on Harry's other side. We must be miles under the school, she said. Lucky this plant thing's here, really. Lucky! shrieked Hermione. Look at you both! She... She leapt and struggled towards a damp wall. She had to struggle because the moment uh, she had landed, the plant had started to twist like tendrils around her ankles. As for Harry and Ron, their legs had already been bound tightly in, a long, cre in long creepers without their noticing. Um, Hermione had managed to free herself before the plant got a firm grip on her. Now she watched in horror as the two boys fought to pull the plant off them. But the more they strained against it, the tighter the plant wound around them. Stop moving, Hermione ordered them. Oh, I know what this is. It's Devil's Snare. I'm so glad we know what it's called. That's a great help, snarled Ron, leaning back, trying to stop the plant curling around his neck. Shut up. I'm trying to remember how to kill it said Hermione. Well, hurry up. I can't breathe. Harry gasped as re um Harry gasped, wrestling as it curled around its chest. Devil's snare, devil's snare. What did Professor Sprout say? It likes dark in the damp. So light a fire, Harry choked. Yes, of course, but there's no wood, said Hermione, wringing her hands. Have you gone mad? Ron bellowed. Are you a witch or not? Oh, right, said Hermione, and she muttered, um, she whipped out her wand, um, waved it, and it mu and muttered something, and sent a jet of the same blue bell flames that she had used on Snape, uh, that she had used on Snape at the plant. In a matter of seconds, the two boys felt it loosening its grip as it cringed away from its light, from the light and warmth. Wriggling and flailing, it unraveled itself and pulled free until they were able to um um, um itself, um from their bodies, and they were able to pull free. Lucky paid attention in her biology, Hermione. Said Harry as he joined her by the wall, wiping sweat off his face. Yeah, and Lucky Harry doesn't lose his head. And Lucky Harry doesn't lose his head in a crisis. There's no wood, honestly. This way, said Harry, 
pointing down a stone passageway, which was their only way on. They um they could hear the they could hear apart from the from their footsteps the gentle drip of water trickling down the walls. The passageway sloped downwards, and Harry was reminded of Gringotts. With an unpleasant jolt of the heart, he remembered the wizards um the dragons said to be guarding the vaults in the wizard's bank. If they had met a dragon, a fully grown dragon, um, Norbert had been bad enough. Can you hear something? Ron whispered. Harry listened. A soft rustling and clinking seems to be coming from up ahead. Do you think it's a ghost? I don't know. It sounds like wings to me. There's light ahead. I can see something. They reached the end of the passageway and the, and saw before them a brilliantly lit chamber, its ceiling arching high above them. It was full and small of, of jewel-bright birds, fluttering and tumbling all around the room. On the opposite side of the door, the chamber was heavy. It was a heavy wooden door. Do you think they attacked us, attack us if we crossed the room? Probably, said Harry. But they don't look very um, vicious, and I suppose if if um, they all swoop down at once, well, there's nothing for it. I'll run. He took a deep breath, covered his um, covered his face with his arms, and sprinted across the room. He expected to feel sharp beaks and claws tearing at him any second, but nothing happened. He reached the door untouched. He pulled the handle, but it was locked. The other two followed him. They tugged and heaved at the ho wooden um, at the door, but it wouldn't budge. Not even when Hermione tried a, her alo Alohomora charm. Now what? said Ron. These birds. They can't just be here for decoration, said Hermione. They watched the birds soar overhead, glittering. They're not birds, said Harry. Suddenly, they're keys, winged keys. Look carefully. So that must mean, he looked around up at the flock of keys. Yes, look, broomsticks. We've got to catch the key to the door. But there are hundreds of them. We're looking for a big old-fashioned one, probably silver, like the handle. They seized a broomstick each and kicked off into the air, soaring into the midst of the cloud keys. They grabbed and snatched, but the bewitched keys darted and dived, so it was quick, quickly, and it was almost impossible to catch one. Not for nothing, though, was Harry the youngest seeker in a century. He had a knack for spotting things other people didn't. After a minute weaving about through a whirl of rainbow feathers, he noticed a large silver key that had, that had been bent, that had a bent wing, as if it already been stuffed roughly into the keyhole. That one, he called to the others. Um, that one, that, um, that big one. There. No, there. With the bright blue wings. The feathers are all crumpled on one side. Um, Ron went speeding in the direction that Harry's pointing, crashed into the ceiling, and nearly fell off his broom. We've got to close in on it, Harry called, not taking his eyes off the key with the damaged wing. Ron. You come at it from above. Hermione, stay below and stop it from going down. Now, I'll try and catch it. Right? 
Now, Hermione dived. Um, Ron dived. Hermione rocketed upwards. The key dodged them both, and Harry streaked after it. It sped towards the wall. Harry leant forward with a nasty crunching noise, pinned it against his stone with one hand. Ron and Hermione's cheers echoed around the chamber. They landed quickly, and Harry ran to the door, the key struggling in his hand. He rammed it into the lock and turned. It worked. The moment the lock had clipped open, the key took flight again. It had been very battered now that it had been caught twice. Ready? Harry asked the other two, his hand on the open handle. They nodded. They pulled the door open. The next chamber was so dark they couldn't see anything at all. But as soon as they stepped into it, a light suddenly flooded the room to an astonishing reveal. They were standing on the edge of a huge chessboard behind the black chessmen, which were all taller than they were, and carved from what looked like black stone. Facing from them, across the chamber, were the white pieces. Harry, Ron, and Hermione shivered slightly. The towering chessmen had no faces. What do we do? Ron whispered. It's obvious, isn't it? said Ron. We've got to play our way across the room. Behind the white pieces, they could see another door. How? said Hermione nervously. I think we're going to have to be chessmen. He walked up to the Black Knight and put his hand out to touch the horse. At once, the stone sprang to life. The horse pawned the ground, and the knight turned um, his helmeted head to look at Ron. Do we uh, have to join you to get across? The Black Knight nodded. Ron turned to the others, to the other two. This wants thinking about. I suppose we've got to take three of the black pieces. Harry and Hermione stayed quiet, watching Ron think. Finally, he said, Now, don't be offended or anything, but, not, but that neither of you are that good at chess. We're not offended, said Harry quickly. Just tell us what to do. Well, Harry, you take the place of that bishop, and Hermione... You go there instead of, um, instead of that castle. What about you? I'm going to be a knight, said Ron. The chessmen seemed to have been listening, because at these words, a castle and um, a, a, a bishop and a castle turned their backs on the white pieces and walked off the board, leaving three empty squares, which Ron and Hermione took. White always plays first, said Ron, peering across the board. Yes. Look, a white pawn moved forward two squares. Ron silently started to direct the back, the black pieces. They silently, they moved silently wherever he sent them. Harry's knees were trembling. What if they lost? Harry, move diagonally four squares to the right. Their first real shock was taken when the, the first real shock came when the other knight was taken. The white queen smashed him to the ball the floor and dragged him off the board where he laid face down where he laid quite still face down had to let that happen looking said ron looking shaken leaves you free to take the bishop hermione go on every time every one of their pieces were, were lost the white pieces showed no mercy soon there was a huddle limp of black play players slumped along the wall
twice. Only twice, Ron only just noticed that Harry and Hermione were in danger. He himself darted around the board, uh, t taking almost as many white pieces as black ones. We're nearly there, he muttered suddenly. Let me think. Let me think. The white queen turned her blank face towards him. Yes, said Ron softly. It's the only way. I've got to be taken. No! Harry and Hermione shouted. That's chess, snapped, one, sa snapped Ron. You've got to make some sacrifices. That'll ma I'll make you move and she'll take me. That leaves you to um, free to checkmate the king, Harry. Look, do you want um? But do you want to um stop Snape or not, Ron? Look, if you don't hurry up, he'll already have the stone. There was nothing else for it. Um, ready? Ron called. His face paled but determined. Here I go. Now, don't hang around once you've won. He stepped forward, and the White Queen pounced. She struck Ron hard around the head with her stone arm, and he crashed to the floor. Hermione screamed, but stayed on her square. The White Queen dragged Ron to one side. He looked as if he'd been knocked out. Shaking, Harry moved three spaces to the left. The White King took off his crown and threw it at Harry's feet. They had won. The chessmen parted, leaving the door ahead clear. With one desperate look back at Ron, Harry and Hermione charged their way through the door and up the next passage. What if he's... He'll be alright, said Harry, trying to convince himself. What do you reckon's left? We've had sprouts. That was a devil's snare. Flitwicks must have put charms on the keys. McGonagall transfigured the chessmen to make them alive. That leaves Quirrell's spell and Snape's. Um, all right, Harry, they had reached another door. All right, Harry whispered. Go on. Harry pushed it open. A disgusting smell filled their nostrils, making both of them, um, making both of them pull up their robes over their noses. Eyes, eyes watering, they saw flat on the floor in front of them, a troll larger than the one they had tackled, out cold with a bloody lump on its head. I'm glad we didn't have to fire that one, Harry whispered, carefully overcoming its massive legs. Just gonna see how much is left. Okay. Um, carefully over one of its massive legs. Come with me. Um, come on, I can't breathe. He pulled open the next door, both of them hardly daring to look at what came next, or what came next. But there was nothing very frightening in here. Just a bottle with seven differently shaped bottles standing in a line. On it, in a line. Snapes, said Harry. What do we have to do? They stepped over the threshold, and immediately a fire sprang up behind them in the doorway. It wasn't ordinary fire either. It was purple. Um, in the same instant, black flames shot up in the doorway leading onwards. They were trapped. Look, said Hermione, seized a roll, um, seized a roll of paper lying next to the bottles. Harry looked over her shoulder and read it. Danger lies before you, while safety lies behind. Two of us will help you, whichever you would find. One among us seven will let you move ahead. 
another will transport the drinker back the drinker back instead. Two among us hold our number, only nettle wine. Three three of us are killers, waiting hidden in line. Choose unless you wish to stay here forevermore. To help you in your choice, we give you these clues four. First, however slyly the poison tries to hide, you will always find um, some on the nettle's wine's left side. Second, um, different are those who stand at either end, but if you move onwards, neither is your friend. Third, as you see clearly, all the different sides, neither dwarf nor giant holds death in, in, their, si in their insides. Fourth, the second left and the second on the right are twins if you taste them though different at first sight. Hermione let out a great sigh, and Harry, amazed, saw that she was smiling, the very last thing he felt like doing. Brilliant, said Hermione. This isn't magic, it's logic, a puzzle. Um, a lot of the greatest wizards haven't got an ounce of logic. They'd be stuck in here, forever. But so will we, won't we? Of course not, said Hermione. Everything we need here is on this paper. Seven bottles, three poison, two of wine, and we'll get us safely through the black pyre, um, back black fire, and one will get us back through the purple. Um, but how do we know which one to drink? Give me a minute. Hermione um, read the paper several times. She walked up and down in the line, uh, um, down the line of bottles, muttering to herself and pointing at them. At last. She clapped her hands. Got it, she said. The smallest bottle will get us through the black fire towards the stone. Harry looked at the tiny bottle. There's only one enough for one of us, he said. That's hardly one swallow. They looked at each other. Which one will get you back through the purple flames? Hermione pointed at a rounded bottle at the right end of the line. You drink that, said Harry. No, listen. Get back and help Ro and get Ron. Grab brooms of the out of the flying key broom, and then get straight out of the trapdoor and past Fluffy, and go straight to the alley and send Hedwig to Dumbledore. We need him, and uh, while well, I might be able to hold off Snape for a while, but I'm no match for him really. But Harry, what if you know who's with him? Well, I was lucky once, wasn't I? Said Harry, pointing at his scarf. I might get lucky again. Hermione's lip trembled, and he suddenly dashed at Harry and threw her arms around him. Hermione! Harry, you're a great wizard, you know. I'm not as good as you, he said, very embarrassed as he, as he let go of him. Me, said Hermione. Books and cleverness. There are more things. Friendship, bravery, and... Oh, Harry, be careful. You drink first. You are sure which, which one is which, aren't you? Positive. She took a long um, drink from the round bottle at the end and shuddered. It's not poison, is it? Said Harry anxiously. No, but it's like ice. Go, quick, before it wears off. Wears off. Good luck. Take care. Go! Hermione turned and walked straight through the purple fire. Harry took a deep breath and picked up the smallest bottle. 
He turned and to face the black flames. Here I come, he said, and he drained the bottle in one little gulp. He was indeed it was indeed as though ice was flooding his body. He put the bottle down and walked forward. He braced himself. He saw the black flames licking his body, but couldn't feel them. For a moment he couldn't see he could see nothing but the dark fire. Then he was on the other side, in the last chamber. Someone was already there. But it wasn't Snape. It wasn't even Voldemort. was a very long chapter but I hope you absolutely enjoyed it now um, if you enjoyed this episode please make sure to follow on whatever platform you're listening to this on and check out my other episodes and if your friends and family also enjoy listening and reading Harry Potter then um, show them this podcast um, it'd be really appreciated um, that's pretty much all I have to say for now um, yeah, that's it. So, I hope everyone has um, a great time listening to this episode. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye.